Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Awesome. Good to have you here. Good to be with you. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's kind of what I expected. Okay. Um, (laughs) Thanksgiving's amazing. Thanksgiving's a wonderful time to uh, to just gather together and remember that amazing truth, that amazing reality that we are called to be uh, ones who walk in gratitude. Amen? Uh, That has nothing to do with my message this morning. Um, We are in the midst of a series, as you could probably guess from that video, uh, through the Gospel of John. We've been uh, exploring the Gospel of John for quite some time now, uh, making our way through it. And uh, we've been sort of on a little excursion in the midst midst of our expedition. Uh, As we've been walking through John, we've sort of been taking some time to look at, uh, at Jesus as he introduces us to another member of the Trinity, and that would be the Holy Spirit. So we've been taking some time to really uh, carve out and sort of uh, uh, take the time to to really explore what this means for us. And this morning, um, I just want to level with y'all. Can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Is that cool to do that? Okay, good. I'm going to do it either way. Um, This morning, I really don't want to preach a sermon at you. what What I really would like this morning to be in the spirit of Thanksgiving is just sort of a family meeting. Are we cool with that? Can we, just, can we just have a family meeting? There's some things I think we need to talk about as a family. Now, here's the deal. If you're not a part of uh, the family, and I mean that in two ways, if, if you're not a part of the, of the, the Christian family, if you're not a believer, uh, you're still welcome to sort of like listen in on all this. I'm, I'm sure that, uh, or at least I hope that some of this will be encouraging to you, and, and, and I do believe this will point you in the direction that you ought to go. Amen, church? Can we say amen to that? And we're going to read the Bible, so that's always a good thing for, for all of us to hear. Uh, or also, if you're just sort of uh, visiting here at Sozo, uh, you're, maybe you'd say, yeah, I'm a believer, but I'm not a part of this particular family of, of the church. Uh, that's cool as well. Uh, and here's the really cool thing. Regardless of whether you're a member of, of the family as in Christians or the family as in the Sozo uh, church, uh, you can be if you want to be. Amen? You might think, well, I, I'm not good enough, smart enough, and doggone it, not enough people like me. I can't be a part of it. Well, guess what? The church, th- this church especially, I love us. Come on, I'm one of us. Um, I was asked recently to describe our church as meeting with a group of pastors, and they said, well, just describe your church to us. And uh, being that we're, we're now in the Christmas season, I said, well, uh, we are sort of the island of misfit toys. <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody that wants to agree with me on that one? Like, like we're just kind of the ones that don't fit anywhere else. <laughs> um, and we've, we're just grateful, come on, that we have been found by him. And that also, I'm grateful that we found one another. So, um, so, so this, this morning, look, what I'm trying to say is, yes, this is a family talk, but, 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 but this is an open family, amen? In both senses, right? you're not a believer, you can be one by the end of the day. You can be, be one by the end of the sentence. If you're not a part of this church, you're welcome here. We've always said from the beginning, we, we, we put it on the door and we really mean it. Welcome home. Not welcome home if, if this is your home. We just mean it openly and honestly. Welcome home. 
This is a place where we believe that in Christ you can find your peace, your place, and your purpose. Amen? That's what we mean by home. So, uh, so this morning, I, I want to I just have a family talk. I should have like a big, a big reclining chair up here. Let's just pretend. Nobody wants to pretend of me sitting in a reclining chair. I get it. It's fine. Um, uh, t- today, I, I want to I talk about this. And here, here's what I want to say to us. This is just want to frame everything here this morning. Um, here's what I'd like to frame. I'd like to frame this under this. I, I think that we need to give greater attention greater attention to our hunger for and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And and I mean that twice two ways. I mean that for us corporately and for us individually. We need to give greater attention to our hunger for and intimacy with God, the Holy Spirit. I also mean that for those who feel like you are, you are, you, your appetite for him is gone. You have no, you'd, you'd be honest with yourself and with the Lord. You say, I have zero appetite for, you know, intimacy with and hunger for. I just, that's just not something that's alive in me right now for, for maybe whatever your reason might be. You would just be honest with yourself with the Lord and say, that's just not a hunger. It's not an appetite I currently have. I mean that for you. We need to give, you need to give greater attention to that hunger for and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I mean that for those who have no appetite. And here's the flip side. I mean that for those who feel like you are the hungriest and most intimate you've ever been in your life. You need to give greater attention to it as well. This is an area we all need to grow in. Amen? It's just, it's just the truth. It's just the reality of the situation. I think that's true. It can be said kind of generically and therefore generally of kind of all of us at every season. But I think in this season, for us as a family, this is really the place where the Spirit of the Lord is putting his finger on. It's where he's drawing us. It's where he's driving us. Last week, we looked at this text. We're in John 14. Last week, we looked at this, and we saw how Jesus was really trying to get them, in spite of the, 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 the circumstances they were about to head into, he was trying to get them excited for the reality of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I, I want to I take us not just from getting excited about it, but now this morning, what I'd like to do is help us have a, a few things set right in our understanding as it relates to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got your Bibles, here's what I'd like to do. John chapter 14, we're going to read the verses we've been in for the last couple of weeks, 26, or 16 through 26. So let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. And, and here, here's the deal. I love you all so much that I decided to supersize your Bible reading this morning free of charge. No extra charge, twice the Bible reading. So what we're going to do is this. Uh, we're going to read this out of the ESV because we love the ESV around here. Amen. it's fine you don't have to love it i love it enough for you um but then i also want to read out of the passion translation as well and we'll talk about the passion here in a second but i want to just read this i i'm doing this for a couple reasons mostly because i'm afraid that because we've read this passage for so many weeks that maybe some of us have gotten a little dull in our ears come on somebody around these words and i want to just help us hear them again but but just so that i don't get emails we're going to read out of esv too So ESV, John 14, starting in verse 16, Jesus speaking here says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Everybody say indwelling. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear is the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Right, that's the ESV. We love the ESV, amen? Now now we're going to read out of the Passion. Now, if you're not familiar with the Passion, let me just give you a quick rundown. I've made statements about this before, so I'm not going to go too deep into this. The Passion translation is a, is a what's, what's sometimes called a, a paraphrase. What I think for this would be more accurate is a single author translation. So the ESV had a whole team of people that helped translate that and have arguments and debates and kind of get the best of everyone's kind of thoughts and then make decisions on how they translated that. So it's, it's a little bit less uh, subjective, can we say that, of a translation. Uh, the Passion Translation is done by a guy named Dr. Uh, Simmons, and, and he just did it himself. So, so you get a little bit less subjective, a little bit more objective. His goal in, in his, his single-person translation, he said, was to, was to help bring out the emotion of the text. So, so that's why we're going to this. This is what we expect to get from this. So let's go to the Passion now, and let's, let's hear this. This is, again, John 14, starting as well in verse 16. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will, be, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. Everybody say, indwelling. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandoned as orphans. I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world, and they will see me no more, but you will see me because I will live again, and you will come alive too. So when the day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father, and that you are one with me, and for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. Everybody say indwelling. Verse 22. Then one of the disciples named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, 
said, Lord, why is it you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word and my father will love, yeah, and my father will love you so deeply that he will come to you and make you, that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Everybody say indwelling. But those who don't love me will not obey my words. The father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my father. I am telling you this while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who will set you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I have told you. Church, let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Church, can we just say thank you, God, for your word? God, thank you for your word. Lord, we praise your name for being the God who speaks to us. God, we declare that we trust, we believe, we, we acknowledge, God, that we are not left to wonder as to what your word is. But we've been given the true and the steadfast, the sure word of the Lord. And God, we pray as we do, that not only would we hear your word, but that God, supernaturally, you would give us the capacity to hear your voice in the midst of your words. Lord, we live off of what you say. Our souls are fed by what you speak to us. And so God, we ask that you would come and you would speak. You would do just what you've promised to do, to come and to speak. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. Lord, I pray where there is doubt and discouragement, where there is unbelief and unwillingness to yield to you, that your word would do its work of uprooting and casting out and planting. That our lives might be built up. God, I, I declare this morning, I, I have zero desire to be right, but I have great desire to know what is right where there is error and, and misunderstanding in my thinking, Lord, correct it by your word. Not, not the doctrines of man, not the traditions of religion, by the truth and the reality of your word. Bring correction to our thinking today that we might walk in the fullness of all that you have called us to and that you, Lord, might receive the total and complete measure of honor and glory, praise and renown that is due to you because of who you are and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Yeah. Come on, everybody said? Yeah. Go ahead and greet somebody real fast around you and grab a seat. Good to be together. Good to be here. 
good to be called into intimacy with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? I'm so glad that Jesus did not leave me as an orphan. Come on, somebody. So glad he didn't leave you as an orphan, but that he has sent the very Spirit of God to dwell here with us. If you're taking notes this morning, I hope you are. Uh, I got a lot to cover in our little family talk. Um, and I want to do this under the heading, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, for those of you who've been with us for a while, um, you may or may not remember a few years ago, uh, when when the sort of the topic of the Holy Spirit came up in in another book that we were studying through, uh, I, I took some time and wrote a, a statement because there there had been at that point some misunderstandings going around. Uh, again, this is family talk, family talk, family talk. There had been some misunderstandings going around about what I personally believed about the Holy Spirit, where I stood on that. A doctrinal theological sort of place. And so what I did is I took some time and tried to, in as brief and yet uh, clear of a statement as I could, sort of lay out um, what I believed about the Holy Spirit and about the church's relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I wrote that out and I actually read that in a service uh, a while back. And, and then what happened after that that you don't know about is your elders uh, we're a church that is is led by, overseen by, you can use the word governed if you want, uh, by a, a group of elders. And so we, we gathered as elders and said, hey, we want to sort of make sure that we're clear as a church, as elders, as to where we stand on that issue as well. Where we're, what our understanding, what our perspective, what our, what our sort of uh, orientation around that issue is. And so we took the statement that I wrote and hammered it, reworked it, made it better. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and sort of made it something that we all felt comfortable sort of signing our name, putting Sozo's stamp on. So what I'd like to do this morning before uh, I talk specifically about this indwelling, I, I want to read this because I want us to understand that we are Holy Spirit people. Those that are hooping and saying amen and those that aren't, if you're a part of this church, uh, we are, as a church, Holy Spirit people. So, so I want to make sure we kind of get this. So I'm going to read this, and here, here's the deal. Um, if you want a copy of this, uh, just email the office and we can email you this copy. I don't have more copies of this here today um, because I'm just not that organized. Um, but if you want a copy of it, we'll gladly send you one. We're currently working on redoing our website. This will eventually be available on the website, but it's not now. Um, but you're welcome to look there for it, just to see. Um, let me just read this. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This means that we believe that the Holy Spirit is God, co-equal in majesty and glory with the Father and the Son. We believe in the biblical experience known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe it is an experience, please hear this, subsequent to, yet not necessary for, salvation. By which we mean you can, and many are, truly saved and yet never have this experience. We believe that it is available for all who have been born again. We believe that our loving Heavenly Father desires to graciously give us this experience as a demonstration of His love and as a means by which to fulfill His purpose in the earth through His people. We believe that this experience leads to an empowered life. 
We believe that the primary evidence of this Spirit-empowered life is a bold, powerful, and effective witness to the world of the reality of Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel as the only means by which one can be saved. We believe that all who are baptized in the Holy Spirit can speak in tongues, even though many may never do so. We believe that the Holy Spirit is active today just as he was in the Bible. We believe that it is right and good to expect signs and wonders to follow those who believe. We believe that God's personal revealed presence, sometimes called his manifest presence, is not simply an intellectual truth, but an experiential reality, and that when he chooses to make his presence known to us, many unexpected and unusual manifestations do sometimes take place. We believe that a commitment to the faithful, systematic, rigorous, and intellectually sound study, teaching, preaching, and practice of the Bible as the Word of God safeguards the church from many errors often associated with spirit-filled, charismatic, or Pentecostal churches. While we love revival, signs and wonders, prophetic utterance, and miracles, we hold that an overemphasis on personal experience, emotionalism, an ambiguous interpretation of Scripture opens up our churches to become the antithesis of what we claim to be. That would be members of Christ's kingdom and laborers in His divine purpose. Our goal is to lead a church committed to, the, to pursuing the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit while keeping our focus on Jesus and his gospel while seeking to glorify the Father. And by glory, we mean the declaration and demonstration of the nature of God. In this, we hope to to fulfill our responsibility to steward well those who God places in our care. That's what we believe about the Holy Spirit. This is who we are. This is, this, that, that's our church. I, again, I bring this up because I don't want us to think that we're going into some new territory. Okay? This isn't new for us. This isn't unexpected. This is not like left turn when we thought we were going right. This is not a, a, a zigging when we thought we were zagging. This is not some new doctrine we've decided to embrace. This was written years ago. This was worked on for years by your elders this is who we are. And what I want to tell us is this, that, 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 that we are Holy Spirit people. Amen? And we cannot be who we are without being Holy Spirit people. Does, does, did you track what I'm saying there? We can't be who we are. I, that, that seems backwards, right? But it's, it's the best way I can describe it. We can't be who we are without being, without acknowledging, without admitting, without embracing, without experiential reality of being Holy Spirit people. So this morning, what I want to talk to us about is four vital truths about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This comes straight from this text. We're always going to be Bible people. Amen? says it in there. We we believe that one of the ways we safeguard from some of the craziness, amen? Can I get an amen from anybody who's been around the church long enough to know that sometimes people hide their crazy behind the Holy Spirit label? 
And sometimes people hide their closed-mindedness behind the label of fundamentalism. So I'm just going to make everybody not like me this morning. It's a family meeting. We can talk later. Okay? So, so, so what we're saying is we want to tether ourselves to Scripture. So this morning, I want to tether us to these four vital truths. I, when, I, when I say vital, I mean we have to get this. If we're going to give greater attention, which I believe is your pastor. If I'm your pastor, this is what I'm telling you. We, you need to, I need to, we need to give greater attention to our hunger for and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. But if we don't get these four things, please hear me, then I don't think we can justifiably, truthfully say that what we're doing is actually giving attention to the Holy Spirit and our hunger for an intimacy with him. That's what I mean by vital. I use that word on purpose. From this text, four vital truths. Here we go. First one. The Holy Spirit's indwelling is the goal. The Holy Spirit's indwelling is the goal. By that I mean Jesus did not sort of choose to do this as a secondary consequence of his mission, his purpose, his coming to earth. Jesus isn't saying here, listen, I know that you're bummed that I'm leaving, and as sort of a consolation prize, I'll go ahead and, and send the Holy Spirit, and he'll live with you and in you. That's, that's not what he says. Rather, what he says is that, that this, is, this is the reality of him leaving causes this to happen. The reality of his passion is our, is our experience of Pentecost. Amen? I also mean by this, and, and maybe this will help some of you who are a little apprehensive about, have some apprehensions about, about sort of walking personally you into this. Here's what I hear from some of you. Hey, Pastor, look, I, I'm, I love Jesus and I, I want to follow Jesus. It's just the Holy Spirit thing is a little uncomfortable for me. Hear me and hear, hear Jesus in this. His desire for you is for you to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. So if you, if you, if you struggle to trust the Holy Spirit, trust Jesus, come on, that he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? If you're, if you're saying, like, man, I don't know, like, I, I've been around some weird people, and they had the Holy Spirit name tag on, they, had, they didn't have the fish on their car, they had, like, a, a bird on their car, and they were really weird. I get it, I get it, I get it. Here's the truth, here's the, here's the, here's the real, okay, here's the real truth. I've been around those people, I used to be one of those people, there's hope for those people. I'm not asking you to be one of those people. If you are one of those people, welcome to the island of misfit toys. Um, you're welcome here. Okay, listen, the, the, what, what, what I need us to understand is this is the goal. This is Jesus' Jesus' goal in this is, is you filled with the Holy Spirit. You experiencing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The sending of the Holy Spirit. I love the way Jesus lays this out here. John 14, in my opinion, might be one of the most Trinitarian chapters in the entire Bible. We, we, see, we see all of the Trinity active in this, and all of God is active in sending the Holy Spirit to indwell you. He's, he's sent by the Father through the Son to you. This is the goal. We, we, we can't think of this as like an extra add-on thing. I said there's four vital truths. The reason this one's vital is as long as we think of, well, the Christian life can be everything God wants it to be without the Holy Spirit. But if you want to kind of add the Holy Spirit, you can. 
then we'll fundamentally miss what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. The goal is you indwelled with the very Spirit of God. And, and I want to, I want to, again, family meeting, we're just having, this is, this is not a, this is a family meeting, not a family fight. But I, I just, I want to just real quick, I'll just say it and then we'll move on. To claim to love Jesus, follow him and desire him and not do the same with the Holy Spirit is either ignorance, incongruent or insulting to all that Jesus is. It's either ignorance, either you, you just might not realize that that's what you have available to you, right? It's, it's totally possible. And by the way, again, I always want to say this because whenever I say the word ignorant in a message, I get emails. You called me a name. Ignorant is not an insult, okay? Ignorant just means you don't know. So when I say, when I say that, that you're, 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 your unwillingness to love and follow and serve the Holy Spirit in your daily life, and yet at the same time claiming you want to do that with Jesus, is ignorant to a whole bunch of stuff. The biggest of which being, they're the same God. I had a friend who was, who was raised in a very fundamentalist sort of background in church. And I remember I met him after he came out of that. He'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. He was living his life and, and the power and the authority of God. And, and just uh, God was using him in amazing ways. And, and I remember having lunch the one day and talking about his experience of all of this. And he said, listen, human, what's amazing to me is I was raised in the church. But when I got filled with it, when, when, when the indwelling happened to me, it was like I got saved for the first time. Everything shifted in my life. And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, he said, I, my understanding of who God was shifted. And these are his words. He said, before that, I believed in the Trinity, but functionally, the Trinity for me was not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. I didn't have a personal, vibrant relationship with God. So, so to claim we want to follow Jesus and not follow the Holy Spirit might just be ignorant. You just might not realize, come on, beloved, that that's available for you. That's the desire of God for you. It, it is absolutely incongruent. You can't, you can't follow Jesus and then not go where he tells you he's taking you. And this text just told you he's taking you to a place, come on, of indwelling with the Holy Spirit. It's incongruent. Your life will not have internal harmony as long as you are fighting this. And lastly, I love you, it's insulting because Jesus' passion purchased this for you. And to deny him giving it to you is to deny him part of the glory and honor that is due his name. The Holy Spirit's indwelling is the goal. We've talked about this in past weeks. It's, it's, it's not, it's, this is not a side thing. This is not an additional thing. This is part of what Jesus purchased for you. Second, and this is so huge. The Holy Spirit's indwelling is a gift. And by gift, here's what I want you to hear when I tell you gift. It cannot be achieved. It has to be received. In the Holy Spirit community, I think this is one in my, in my, my, my experience. I'm not going to label everybody out there. I'm not going to do it. But in my experience, this is one of the things that was completely missed experientially. 
If you would have told somebody, hey, listen, the, the Holy Spirit's indwelling is a gift, everyone would say yes and amen. And yet, yet, yet practically lived out, we lived in such a way where we thought we had to, and, and I know this is going to offend some people, we had to like level up our Christianity to get to the point where we had the Holy Spirit. And I can prove that's the case because the way we treated people that seemed to move graciously and easily in the things of the Holy Spirit, we treated them like they were on some higher level than us. Like they fasted long enough to get that. Like they, they, their behavior was modified enough, they were holy enough, they were good enough, they were better than us enough, and that somehow that was achieved. And so for so many of us who are so intimately connected to our own frailty, we think, well, that's, that's just not something that I can do. And you're missing the truth, the vital truth, beloved, that it's a gift. It cannot be achieved. It has to be received. You have to be willing to receive it. It's not the result of, of you proving your worth. It's not the result of you, of you engaging long enough in some sort of uh, spiritual discipline that you've somehow achieved. No, Jesus doesn't say any of that here. He just says, look, the Father's going to send him. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He, he's a gift. Listen, to all the disciples... The ones that you know about and the ones that you don't know about. <laughs> the rock stars and the 12 disciples got the Holy Spirit. And the people that we don't know or remember their names. Come on, somebody. They got the Holy Spirit too. In the sequel to John, Acts, I know it was written by a different author. It's still the sequel. Jesus part two, right? Um, <laughs> all those gathered. Come on. The whole church is filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a gift to all believers. Jesus desires to give this to all of his followers. And the reality is this, to attempt to earn it or achieve it or merit it or prove your worth of it, that you're somehow worthy to receive God, to, to go into that realm, Paul tells us later in the epistles, is actually to abandon the only road that you can walk on to actually get there. He says this, he goes, you, you started in grace, and do you think now you're somehow going to experience more of God by going back to your own working, to your own striving, to your own toiling? Do you really think that God started you one way and finishes another? He says, no, it's all by grace. Where are my reformed people at? Come on, by grace alone. So if this, is, if, this is, if this is part of the goal, follow me, beloved, if this is part of the goal is you indwell with the Holy Spirit, and, and what we mean by goal is that, that Jesus and his passion and his salvation, the redemption, reconciliation, and reclamation that Jesus wrought for you, come on, somebody, if part of that, if, if the goal of that is you filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's done by grace, then being filled with the Holy Spirit is done by? It's not a trick question. It's grace. It's all grace. Can I, give, can I just ruin the whole Bible for I'm going to ruin it. Like, spoiler alert, it's all by grace. It's all by what he accomplished for you on your behalf. It's received as a gift. Come on. By grace. What do we mean by grace? I mean the un 
unmerited favor of God. You might, you might be blind to it, but regardless of what your life looks like, I'm talking to believers, I'm talking to Christians right now, regardless of external evidence, you walk in the favor of God. No one's excited about that. See, regardless of what it might seem like on the outside, regardless of what what evidence that, that this fallen world might be trying to throw in your face that you're not favored, the Bible calls you favored. You made the list of God's favorites. That's what grace means. The only qualifier, that you belong to Jesus. That's it. That's the qualification. Because those who belong to Jesus, listen, let let me tension this, right? Belonging changes your being, which fundamentally will change your behavior. I am not standing up here and telling you that, that, listen, it is completely uh, uh, you know, in harmony with the gospel for you to be filled with heaven and live in hell. I'm not telling you that. This is not an excuse. This is not, this is not somebody told me a oh, while back, you're, you're preaching greasy grace. I don't even know what that means. But the tone of voice didn't seem like it was a compliment. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you mean that nicely. I've been accused lately of taking this, this. I love this. I'm just being this family meeting, family meeting, family meeting. I was accused recently of, of, <laughs> of leaning too heavily on the goodness of God. It's just, I just don't feel like there's any tension anymore. What do you put if the goodness of God is on this side of the scale? What am I supposed to put on this side of the scale to balance that out? Oh, no, I'm, this is a genuine open group discussion right now. I got no idea. Well, his judgments. Guess what? His judgments are still a part of his goodness. Because he loves you too much to leave you in the garbage that you like to walk yourself to. Listen, listen, listen. When we declare in the song that we sang at the end that that you're never going to let me go, that's the gospel, beloved. (laughs) People are like, do you think you can lose your salvation? Like, not if you really have it. Because I don't have it. If if it's up to me, I've already lost it. I'm just going to be real with y'all. Because I couldn't find my keys this morning. If I can lose my keys, I guarantee you, I can lose my salvation. But if he saved me, if, 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 if he's holding me, I trust that he doesn't lose stuff. I don't know what to balance goodness with. Because there's, 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 there's nothing else. It's just who he is. Here's how we say it around here. He is always and only good. Revelation. It's self-balancing. <laughs> His goodness balances itself. You belong to Jesus. 
then his desire for you is for you to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm I'm not good enough. You're not good enough to belong to Jesus either. I don't have social media anymore because I'm not spiritual enough for it. Um, I'm, that's not a joke. That's a confession. Like, that's just like, I'm not, nope. Y'all are way more spiritual than me because I lost my salvation every time, right? Like, he didn't lose me, but I lost him. It was like, nope, I just, yeah. Um, anyways, so I don't have it, but, but, but one of the biggest things I ever posted online that got the most backlash, I just posted simple, just a simple little thing. Here's what what it was. You ready? God is not fair. And all my Christian friends were like, you've abandoned the gospel. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just preached the gospel. (laughs) God's not fair. Favor is not fair. What I mean by that is he doesn't bestow his favor upon you because you are somehow favorable. He bestows his favor on you because he is one, he is gracious, therefore he gives grace to you. He's good. He's good. He's good. So you have to understand this is a gift born out of his goodness toward us. Amen? Because we belong to him, our being is transformed and our behavior changes. Because, not so that. Are you tracking with me? Because we belong to him, our being is changed. You are, you are not what you once were. If you, have, if you have repented and believed the gospel, I don't want to hear about what you were beforehand as an excuse for you continuing to be what you were beforehand. I, I've been transparent about this. I, I was a part of the recovery community for quite a while. And listen, I, I always want to caveat this. If that is helping you, listen, if that is helping you walk in sobriety, keep doing it. Okay, But eventually for me, it stopped helping me walk in sobriety and only helped me walk as a victim. I could no longer get up and claim to be an alcoholic when I knew inside I was no longer an alcoholic. I could not stand up in front of people and with honesty say, I'm, I, I'm an addict, when that's not who I am anymore. I couldn't go back to being an addict and continue being who I am today. Are you, are you tracking with what I'm saying? And that's easy for us to talk about addiction and, 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 and you know, alcoholism or narcotics, or narcotics or whatever, your, whatever your fun was, right? Amen? But the same thing is true about your bad attitude. Oh, nobody wants to talk about that. Amen, oh, my addiction. Yeah. You addict, yeah, yeah you, you were a scumbag. That was so are you. Shut up. Okay. My, my, whatever your, come on, whatever your hangup is, Whatever that behavior, you just keep making excuses. You say, well, this is just how my whole family is. This is how I was raised. Guess what? If you're born again, your first, your first birth, which was insufficient to bring you to Jesus, no longer counts. Your new birth is what counts. And well, I think that's not going to happen till heaven. Then go there. It's M-A-R-K at S-O-Z-O-S-P-O-K-A-N-E dot O-R-G. I'll help you with that. I'll soften it in the email, okay? But for right now, I don't got time. Um, 
Holy Spirit's indwelling. That's all under gift. Isn't that so uplifting? Um, I said heaven, not the other one. Okay. Um, next thing. The Holy Spirit's indwelling is God in us. We've got to get this. Again, I said vital truths. It's his goal. It's his gift. The indwelling is God in us. This is, man, this is so important to me that we get on, on a whole bunch of levels, and I don't have enough time to deal with all of them. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He's a personal being. So as long as you approach the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as some uh, uh, ethereal kind of mystical goop, then you'll completely misunderstand what's actually trying to take place in your heart and your life. You'll, you'll totally miss what's, what's actually being directed towards you, which is God coming to take up residence in you. And I think Jesus is even trying to get us to see that and the oneness of God and the unity of God when he, when he constantly pulls us back to, look, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. The Father and me, we're going to make our home with you. All of God is involved in all of this. It is God himself coming and dwelling with you. Two things I want to make sure you understand with this. Two things real fast. First, when I say he's God, what I mean by that, what I'm, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that, is that he, is, he is three things. He is, when I say God, he is, he is sovereign, he is supreme, and he is sufficient. He's sovereign. He can do as God, come on, he can do whatever he wants to do, wherever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it. This is where we get into the weird manifestations of the Holy Spirit. See, some of y'all, some of y'all don't understand <laughs> that, that Christmas and Pentecost are different. Say that again. Christmas, Pentecost, different. Same. It's God coming. So it's the same. But here's the problem. I think just like the Jews, the Jewish people of the first century, missed Jesus coming because they thought it would look different. They thought it would look just like, like it always looked. And Jesus comes and introduces a, a shifting of the ages. Come on. So things look different. The Holy Spirit comes to seal that transition, and it looks different. Jesus comes, it looks one way. The Holy Spirit comes, it looks another way, and yet it's God with us. Amen? So he's sovereign. He can come and do whatever he wants, however he wants. He's not, <laughs> he's not limited by your preferences. He's not, he's not limited by, well, Holy Spirit, you can come in, in this little hour and a half block that we set aside for you every Sunday morning as long as you stay within that time frame and you don't do anything weird. He likes to do stuff we call weird because he has supremacy. His ways are higher than your ways. Let me put it another way. His ways are better than your ways. 
His ways are superior, beyond, bigger, better. Which means that in his sovereignty, whatever he's choosing to do, whatever he's calling you to do, regardless of whatever it might produce in your life, it's better than whatever you would have produced in your life. Not by the standards of this world. Come on, somebody. But by his standards. But by eternal standards. But by, okay, by the only standards that actually matter. By the only ones created by somebody external from the system. See, we all live subjected to the system. And then we try to build up, come on, standards within the system that we're subjected to. Those standards don't work. We have to find a standard outside of ourselves. Amen? What does happiness look like? What does satisfaction look like? Who, who am I? All of that has to come externally. Well, just follow your heart. If you're outside of Christ, the Bible says that nothing good dwells inside your heart. So if you've lived this, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I believe fundamentally, if you are in Christ, you have a new heart. This, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. I'm not denying, diminishing that. But if you've lived your whole life learning to follow your heart, if you learned how to follow your heart pre-Jesus, and you're still trying to live that way, even though you have a new heart, you're following your old impulses. What I'm telling you is we need to be indwelled with God himself so we learn how to follow his, because they're better. Not, not, not because they make you a more moral person, but because they are actually factually better. It's an upgrade. It's, it's beyond what you could have otherwise. I said he's sovereign, he's superior, he's sufficient, he's all you need. You don't need anything else. Peter says that in him you have, you have all that you need for life and godliness. Paul tells us in Corinthians that you have all spiritual blessings. So that's Ephesians, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Corinthians he says you have all spiritual gifts. All the spiritual gifts you need, you have in him. Because God comes and takes up residence inside of you. He makes his home with you. This is actually what I mean by go to heaven. I don't mean die and float off to some other realm where giant naked babies fly around with harps and wings and where you're responsible for nothing. I mean here. Isn't that the prayer we were taught to pray? On earth, as it is in heaven? What makes heaven heaven? God's there. So when I say go to heaven, if you're waiting for heaven, heaven is here. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit dwell with you. What more are you waiting for? Let's, let's, let's agree to disagree, and let's say that everything Jesus accomplished for you is only going to be possible for you in heaven you still lose. Heaven's here. So you still have to walk out that. But what I'm telling you is you can because he's all sufficient. He's all you need. There's, there's no upgrade that you need. There's no like second dish you've got to go. There's no like go back and get another thing. You have right now, this, this, is, where, this is where I turn everything on its head for real fast. I say he desires the indwelling. Here's what the truth is. If you're a believer, you already have it.
You already have it. Whether you're living it, the, the experiential reality of it or not, you already have it. You already have it. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. You already have it. How many more times do I have to tell you? It's already there. I'm not really into the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's in you. We have to understand that he's God. By saying he's God with us, we have to understand that he's sovereign, he's supreme, and he's sufficient. The next thing we have to understand is that you are really saved. Beloved, you're really saved. You, re you really are. We named our church what? Sozo. Sozo means salvation. But it doesn't just mean like get to go to heaven when you die. Let me say this. Salvation. Salvation is more about inclusion than location. Say it another way. Salvation is more about inclusion than destination. What, what do I mean? The death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and enthronement of Christ accomplishes for you not only him dwelling in you, but you dwelling in him. Mutual indwelling. That's really yours. But I, I, I'm, I'm convinced if we can't get the him dwelling in us, we'll never get the us dwelling in him. And, and I get that because that's how Jesus lays it out here, right? He starts off by saying the Holy Spirit's going to come and dwell with you. He's going to be in you. And then later on he comes around and he's talking more about stuff. And guess what? You're, you're actually going to be with us. But if you think that your... your <laughs> If you think that your lostness outdoes his saving power so much that he could never come live in you, then, then there's no way that you're going to believe that you can live in him. And we've got to get both. We've got to understand both. He's sufficient. He's sufficient. He's enough. You're safe. He did all that you need. Here's what I'm trying to get us to say. Stop holding on to an insufficient view of salvation. As long as you believe a low-level salvation, you will only ever experience a low-level salvation because you'll only give yourself access to a low-level salvation. But if he really saved you, if he really sozoed you, if he really saved you, if he really healed you, if he really redeemed you, if he really has restored you back to the place that you were before all of that stuff, If that's really what took place, if that's really what he accomplished, then we can open our hearts and our minds and our belief in believing that you mean God wants to live in me. He wants to come and set up shop in this little misfit toy. Jesus really saved you. Last of the four things. All of this is proof of God's immutable goodness. It's all proof. It's proof that God is only and always good. Come on, beloved. He's only and he's always good. He wants to come and live in you so that you never doubt again his goodness. That he's good, that he's good, that he's good, that he's always and he's only good. 
Let me, let me sum up. Let me sum up this whole thing. Let me just sum up the whole thing. Our God's good goal is to give us the good gift of our good God. Our good God's goal is to give us the good gift of our good God. How good is God that the gift he chose to give to us is nothing less than all of himself? Again, I, I, I beg you, send me an email. What am I supposed to put on the other side of that scale to balance that? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. All I can do is stand in front of it and stand in front of that reality and weep and let it be the fuel that fuels my praise of him for all of eternity. That he desires to dwell in me and for me to dwell in him because he's just that good. It has nothing to do with whether I'm good or not. It has everything to do with how good he is. It has everything to do with how good he is. He's always and he's only good. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to take some time and we're going to respond. We're going to respond to his goodness. Amen? Three ways we respond to goodness. Celebration, contemplation, communion. Celebration. I think it is right, good, let me use this word, appropriate to get excited about how good he is. I think it's appropriate to get a little loud when it comes to our exuberant praise toward his goodness. I think David said it best. I think it's okay to get a little undignified. Amen? When it comes to his goodness. I think celebration's appropriate. Contemplation. I think it's good and right to not just, not just worship. Listen, listen. To not just worship externally, but internally as well. I don't, listen, we're, we are not an either or church. We are a both and church. We want to worship with our hearts and our hands. We want to worship with our heads as well. I think it's right and good in this moment to ask the Lord, how's my hunger? How's my hunger for and intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Where do I need to give more attention to that? Yes, listen, it's really easy. I love you. It's really easy to point to what we need to do corporately in a service like this. But can I tell you that this corporate service will only ever be an expression of what's happening in all of our personal lives. See, for years, I think we got it upside down in the church. We thought if we can just get the services good enough, that your life would somehow improve. If we could get our services to have more Holy Spirit, then your life would have more Holy Spirit. I, I'm convinced more than ever in my life that the only way we're going to get more, 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 more attention and emphasis given to our hunger for and intimacy with the Holy Spirit corporately is if it's already happening in you individually. So I'll waste all of my breath on Sunday mornings trying to get us to give more attention to this. I think maybe given some time this morning to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, where is it? Come on. Where is it that I need to give more attention? And I, I want you to get as practical as you can with the Holy Spirit this morning. 
for some of you, I know we don't like this, I know we don't like this, I've been, Holy Spirit people really don't like this, but maybe all he's gonna say is, maybe you need to go to bed a little earlier so you can get up a little earlier before the chaos of your day starts and just learn how to tune the radio of your heart to me. I don't know what it's gonna be. Maybe we take some time to do that. Communion. We have communion, we commune two ways. Communion as in the gift that Jesus gave us at this last supper that we're reading about. The reminder, the grace that he gave us of communion. We, we open these tables up to all who've put their faith in Jesus. These tables consist of bread and juice. Bread representing the broken body juice representing the shed blood of Jesus, the means by which, come on, the means by which all that we talked about today takes place. We have three options for you because we're Americans. We take primarily through a method known as antiquation, take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice and partake. We do have white tables on the edge here to designate uh, gluten-free, so if you need that, please make use of that. If you're not comfortable with this sort of a uh, uh, way of taking communion in a, a communal cup right now, we, we get that, we understand. So we have a prepackaged communion in the back of the room on the little tables up there. Grab one of those and partake. Again, open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. If you have not trusted the Lord, if you've not repented and believed the gospel, here's your chance, do it now. Because like I said earlier, he's better than everything. He's not better than some things. He's better than all things, everything. Pile it all together, he's better than all of that. And yes, apart from him, your heart is wicked and corrupt. Nothing good comes from our hearts. But the Bible says that if we repent and we believe, if we admit and abandon our sin and we embrace and entrust Jesus in that instant, we go from having dead, rotting hearts to having living, breathing, active hearts. He removes our heart of stone, the prophet told us, and puts within us a heart of flesh. And we become, come on, the very dwelling place of God. He comes and he takes up residence in your life. And I'm pleading with you, if, not, if you've not done that, I'm pleading with you today to do that. The other way we have communion is communing one with another. We believe the scriptures welcome us to not have to do life alone, to not have to walk and follow Jesus alone, but rather the Bible says that he takes the isolated, the desolate, the lonely, and he places them in the midst of family. And so we've got a team of people down by the cross. If you're going through something in your life and you just need prayer, you just need God to move in your life, maybe your, your prayer is, I just need to see my hunger, my intimacy grow again. Maybe you're the one I was talking to earlier that, that just says, look, I got no appetite left. I got no desire left. Can I just be honest? There's healing for that. If you belong to him, he longs for you to long for him. There's healing for that. Maybe you got a need in your body, a need in a relationship, a need physically, practically, whatever it might be. They, they would love to just have the opportunity to stand and pray with you. So I'm going to pray and we're going to respond. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. Holy Spirit, we make room for you this morning. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge 
your goodness. We say that you are always, come on, and you are only good. That you've never been anything to us but good. And we rejoice in that goodness. We celebrate that goodness. We thank you, God, for that goodness. Lord, I pray you open up eyes to see your goodness this morning. Where there are some here that would, that would doubt your goodness. God, would you just prove just how good you are? Open eyes, open ears, open hearts. In Jesus' name, church, let's respond to the Lord.